What's up, everybody? Welcome back to In My Non-Expert Opinion. I'm your host, Chelsea Reif, and this podcast covers lifestyle, travel, manifestation, entrepreneurship, and mindset. Today's podcast is all about money mindset, one of my new favorite topics. It's probably the one area where I've really invested a ton into self-development this year. I've invested in money mindset coaches, money mindset courses, listening to podcasts about it, consuming content on YouTube, reading books. I've really gone so all in in my money mindset. And even though I've been working on it for basically the whole year, I still feel like I'm just scratching the surface. And I knew one-on-one work is what I needed. You know, there's something to be said about group coaching and group courses, but I knew I needed a one-on-one financial coach. And I didn't know if that existed. I thought I would have to hire somebody that I didn't vibe with because there's not that many people online that are talking about money. I thought I would just have to continue doing these group courses. And then, as the universe would have it, I manifested a financial coach. And her name is Chiyama Njaku, and she is a master at money. She actually has her education in accounting and bookkeeping, but she's now turned to coaching because she realized there's way more than just numbers and spreadsheets that go into your money mindset. There are so many blocks and limiting beliefs that we all have around money. I mean, even me talking about this right now, some of you might be like, why is she talking about money in the middle of a pandemic? Or why is this appropriate right now? There's so many other things going on in the world. Money is the currency of our world. It is literally the way we exchange energy, so it's so important for me to open up the conversation around money, which is why I wanted to not only work on my money mindset, but have experts on. So this podcast was actually recorded in my Facebook group, which is Reframe Your Mindset to Change Your Life. So if you want access to the podcast before it even goes live, get into that group because you can actually join these interviews and ask questions. So people in my group actually saw this live and were able to join the discussion before it even hit air. So again, that's Reframe Your Mindset to Change Your Life. I do podcast interviews in there, live streams, discussions. So much is going on in that group, and I have something really exciting that I'm going to announce this week that you can expect later in the month. It's really, really fun, and I'm just so excited to share it, but you have to join the group to be updated on that. So get ready to learn all about money mindset today. Chiyama is an absolute master. She actually has a master class called Master Your Money, basically keeping more of your hard-earned money without sacrificing the things you enjoy. So she gets into what's really causing the struggle with money, and she says it's not because you're bad with money and that you buy too many coffees, okay? Coffee is not your problem. She always tells me that. And really what she wants to do is remove barriers and prioritize your desires, not someone else's. I have done about four sessions with her now, one-on-one, and I am blown away by the amount of progress we've made. I thought I would get, you know, maybe a breakthrough here, maybe a light bulb moment here, but I didn't know that I would really see results because I've just invested so much in a money mindset and there's so much vagueness around it. Um, You know, just affirmations and journaling, which you all know I love, but I need deeper steps and that's exactly what Chiyama provided me. I am now building like a financial spreadsheet. I hate spreadsheets. I somehow love doing this exercise. We're talking about my mindset blocks around money, doing energy exchanges with people. I mean... We've talked about so much in my one-on-one, and I knew she had to be a guest to cover it in the podcast. So in this podcast, we get into the obvious basics around money mindset, but also how to attract money in the middle of a pandemic, or if you lost your job, or how to be comfortable talking about money if you're unemployed, because that's the reality of a lot of people's lives right now, right? A lot of people are going through that, so I wanted to be able to cover that today with Chiyama. 
So get ready for this interview, but also buy Master Your Money so you can have that access to Chiyama, or you can go follow her at Mindfully Chiyama so you can get access to her DMs and ask her questions and work with her. You have to work with her. She has changed my life. And again, we're only halfway through our session, so I just can't wait to see what happens these next four sessions. So if you're a first-time listener, I usually give updates in the beginning of my podcast because I've had a crazy year. I've been traveling in the middle of a pandemic, starting my business, starting other businesses. It's just been a whirlwind, so I like to pull the veil up a little bit and show you what's going on in my world. So I moved to Germany about a month ago now, and it's been an adjustment just in terms of the culture. It's very hard to adjust, in my opinion, because of the language. The people are really hit or miss. I call them Sour Patch Kids. They're like, some are sweet and some are sour, and then some are sweet and then sour, some are sour and then sweet. Like, it really is such a different vibe in Australia. Um, I find that some people are really willing to help you, and then some people don't even want to look you in the eye and take your order, even though they're working at a restaurant taking your order. So it's been a big adjustment, but just today we went into a major lockdown. So that doesn't even matter anymore because we're basically confined into our own four walls of our home right now. They went into a lockdown that now you cannot even go outside to restaurants. You can't go to cafes. Pretty much the only thing open is schools and you can do takeaway at all those places. So yeah, that's what's happening. A really, really strict lockdown the next two to four weeks and then they're going to try to reopen some stuff. So I'm basically just going to be working, creating and doing things inside the flat because that's all I can do right now. And then the weather is obviously different than Australia. The seasons in Australia are exactly opposite. So right now in Australia, they are going into the summertime. Obviously in Germany, we are going into the winter. So I had to go buy a new winter jacket. I definitely need to go get new boots. I left all that stuff back home in Florida and it's just going to be a mess to ship it over. So yeah, now I'm basically buying a whole new winter wardrobe, which was not on my list. I thought I was going to be in Australia for a few more months and that was not the case. I moved in with my boyfriend in Germany. So yeah, the weather is different. The culture is different. I'm going to be taking a language course so I can learn the language because my boyfriend is German and I'm living in Germany. So it would make logical sense to learn the language to at least be able to order and, you know, get directions and do things by myself. So I will be taking a language course and I will keep you all updated because this language seems like impossible to learn, but I'm starting to notice things when I read them. I'm like, oh yeah, okay, I can read that and understand that. I just can't make the noise that they make. They say so many things with their throat like, and I'm like, that sounds like I'm coughing something up. So we'll see how the language goes. And then living with my boyfriend has actually been easier than I thought. I grew up my whole 20s living alone. So I was really, really scared of moving in with someone. I remember even telling my mom, like, mom, I don't know how I'm ever going to be able to live with a partner because I've just lived alone for so long. I don't even get it. Like, do you wake up at the same time? Like, what if they don't want to eat the same thing you want to eat for dinner? Do you have to go do two things? Like, what if you can't sleep in the bed? Can you do two different beds? Like, I was just so boggled by the idea of living with somebody after living for basically like six or seven years on my own that I was really scared of moving in, but I found it to be really easy. Like, it's weird. I even told my partner that. I'm like, this feels like it was supposed to be harder and it's not. I think the biggest headache that we've had is we were actually supposed to have two rooms in this flat. We're in a shared flat and the landlord didn't understand. So now we only have one room and we will get the second room in December. But we basically have all this stuff in our room that was made for two rooms in one room. So we have a couch, a desk, tables, more tables, nightstands just shoved in the corner of this room. By the way, it's a massive room, 
but then we have our bed, our closet, etc. So I think that's the biggest headache is just trying to like walk in the room and not be annoyed by all this stuff because we can't do anything with it until December. So we definitely try to keep it clean and that's probably where we're starting to realize each other's cleaning habits, living habits, working habits. And again, working is different because now I can't really go to cafes and work because of the lockdown. And he is in school, so he has to use his laptop too. So that's probably the biggest thing that we're running into right now is like, hey, can I use the desk? Can you go use the kitchen? Can we switch? Can you turn that down? I'm trying to call somebody. But other than that, it really has been a nice balance. Like, again, I thought I was going to be overwhelmed with working and adjusting and the language and cleaning and cooking and organizing. And it just, it's been easy. Like, I think we have a really good communication style and we can see when the other person's stressed and so we try to see if we can help out so so far so good I think right now the most annoying thing of of living together is that we have a tv right in front of our bed and all the cords to it are right by my side of the bed so every morning I wake up and have like 20 cords next to me but I also don't really like the tv in the room because then we end up watching it forever and then we check our phone and then we're like wait let's watch a little bit more and then we go to bed super late and it's caused me to have a really off sleep cycle and I need to get back to a normal sleep cycle because it's like absolutely destroying me. So we agreed that we're going to put the TV when we get the other room in December, we're going to put it in there and try to make the bedroom more of a sacred space, more of a calm space, meditative Zen. He hates when I use the word Zen, but that's what we need to do. I'm like, I need this room to be Zen because right now having all these pretty decorations and then having the TV just sitting in front of the bed like blasting isn't, it's not a vibe. So yeah, that's what's going on. I would say the best thing about living together, I mean, obviously if you love someone, you get to see them every day and you know, in between work, we'll just find time to like cuddle together on the bed or go make food or go take a walk. And honestly, <laughs> splitting groceries. I didn't realize how nice it would be to split the cost of groceries. You guys have to remember, I lived alone for like six or seven years so cooking for myself and spending all this money each week, I didn't realize how much money I was spending. And now when we get our bill, we just split it in half. I'm like, ooh, I like this part of living together. So yeah, splitting the living cost has been nice. I'm trying to think of anything else about living together that I can think of. I think he just needs to come on the podcast and we'll get the 411 from him. And then maybe this will be a different discussion. So stay tuned for that. But yeah, those are the updates in Germany. Gonna learn the language, still adjusting. We're in a major lockdown. And that's what's happening. The visa, by the way, that I'm currently on is a tourist visa. And then I'm applying for the language visa. So you can be in Europe most places for 90 days. It's called the Schengen visa. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. And I was able to get in because I came from Australia. Australia was low risk. It's still low risk. I mean, it looks like they're back to normal over there. Everybody was out and about for Halloween, bopping around on the beach. And so I obviously came from a low risk country. So it didn't matter that I was from the U.S. because I haven't stepped on U.S. soil since July 2019. So I have been away from the U.S. well before the coronavirus happened. So that's why I was able to get in Germany because I know a lot of people are asking, how have you been able to get in being an American citizen? It didn't matter because I was coming from Australia. So yeah, those are the updates. Going to do way more updates around traveling and adjusting in Europe. But I wanted to talk about work for a second. If you guys saw my Instagram stories last week, I have been overloaded with work and it's just a testament to the whole concept of like be careful what you wish for this is the life I wanted I wanted to be so busy that I never had to worry about money or clients or filling up my day or schedule that's what ended up happening and I realized I needed help I offloaded a lot to my VA I already hired her like six months ago 
And I just basically doubled her workload last week. I'm outsourcing way more to my podcast editor. And I'm just looking into ways that I can be more efficient and really productive because I'm at that point now where I am really busy. And I just realized I bit off way more than I could chew. And I think that's also because I'm doing so much online. Like my business is online. And so I'm obviously online more that I see more coaches and someone's launching a membership and a course and a 12 week mastermind and a 12 month this and a four week this. And I get so caught up in that, that I was like, I have to do the same. I need to relaunch my course. I need to do one-on-one work. I need to do a high ticket offer. I need to do a free workshop. I need to do this. I need to do the podcast. I need to teach yoga. I mean, all over the freaking place. And I was like, this is just not manageable on top of moving into an apartment with my boyfriend and living in Germany where I don't know the language. It's like my mind cannot compute doing that much stuff. So I've decided to focus on what really is going to light me up for the rest of 2020, which is my one-on-one clients and creation. So I'm focusing on creating a digital product. That way it's going to be low cost. You don't have to pay a high ticket amount to work with me. It's going to be very interactive. It's going to be extremely helpful and practical, which you guys know I'm all about. I hate vagueness. It's going to give you very specific tools. So stay tuned for that because that is what I'm working on for the rest of 2020 and taking one-on-one clients. So if you are interested in working with me in 2020, the only way you can really do that right now is one-on-one. I'm not launching my group course until later in 2021. And I really want to focus on just giving the best value that I can to the current people that I'm working with. So I am taking on three more clients for one-on-one work for the rest of 2020. So let me know if you want to be a part of that and stay tuned for the digital product I'm working on that will come out hopefully in early 2021. Maybe if I get my ass in gear a little sooner, but I'm a reflector and I'm starting to blame everything on that. (laughs) It's in human design. It means we take on people's energy. We have to like only work three hours a day. We are very creative and loose and fluid and flowy. And so whenever I feel that way, I'm like, yep, I'm a reflector. Sorry. So I'm that asshole now that's just using, you know, astrology and human design and all these different personality types to not do my work. So I will do it, but I just need the energy. And that's why I'm offloading a lot. So that's why I'm only taking one-on-one clients now. Okay. So I think those are all the updates and you're probably tired of hearing me talk. You want to listen to Chiyama and learn all about money. So let's dive right in this episode to learn about money mindset. Okay, everybody, I am so excited about today. We have a cash flow coach with us, so expert on everything around bookkeeping, mindfulness, finances, something I think all of us can relate to right now. We all are either struggling or we're working on our money mindset, especially with the pandemic. There's so much money, money mindset issues going on right now. So I'm like, thank the Lord that we have you on today. Welcome, Chi, to the Facebook group, Reframe Your Mindset to Change Your Life. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much. This is going to be amazing. I get questions a lot about people that they don't understand how they can attract abundance if they just have a you know one specific job or they're really, really stressed out about budgeting and they don't want to do it. And I have even some people that say they don't even want to check their bank account because they're so ashamed of their money uh, relationship with money. So there is so much to uncover. But first, before we get to that, I would love to know about your background specifically before you stepped into this role as a cash flow coach. I actually am a trained accountant um, and just addressing the normal, not checking the bank accounts and um, afraid of budgeting. I was willing to do it for other people. (laughs) 
but not for myself. So all the feelings are very normal. I did all the, let's just say all the things that they say, traditional, uh, I shouldn't even use air quotes, they say it, traditional finance experts. So they said, cut the coffees, don't go out to dinner, cancel the gym memberships, do your hair and nails at home, cook at home, walk or bike to work. And I used to live in New York City, so the walking and I didn't do biking. That was that was not that adventurous for me personally, but the walking and taking a subway was normal. And despite all the cost-cutting things, I wouldn't even live in like the nicer neighborhoods too. I really didn't treat myself very well. And that's because in my mind, I thought I was broke. And so that was my reality. Very much living from paycheck to paycheck, despite earning a pretty good salary for a single person. And what I realized, I had a lot downloaded to me recently, but what I realized was that I was taking half of the steps, not completing the full step. So that does include checking your bank accounts or or just being a good steward of money. I was doing it partially. When I was still living from paycheck to paycheck, I had this mentality that success was a number. And so my success number, what was put in my mind was earning $200,000 or $300,000. And there's a reason why I believe that. Let's just say it's family. I guess earning just over $100,000 just didn't really seem that successful, <laughs> which is kind of, which is actually mm-hmm. silly. I thought I hit a glass ceiling because that was something, these are words that were always also told to me, oh, you're going to hit a glass ceiling, you're a female. So I decided, let me leave. I had been toying around with yoga. And actually around the time I left New York City, I moved to Houston. I was in that point of like, I need to do something. I want to do something because this living from paycheck to paycheck, how am I going to retire? How I can't afford anything. So I became a yoga teacher when I was living in Houston. And I have a love-hate relationship with yoga at the moment. Love it because it's, it's, for me, it's been the guide that's shown me what's, sometimes looking at yourself is very hard. And um, yoga has been the pointing to me to various answers. Check out manifesting, read this book, connect with people, take better care of yourself. But yoga was very much all I heard was money. I heard all the money struggles, such as need to have a rich husband or wife or rich significant other or giving away your classes or really your, your service for free is the way to succeed. Everything was just money, money, money. You're all about the money, the money shaming and what I would later realize is that I was being shown, I, that's what I heard. Maybe not everyone was telling me that, but that's what I heard. And I was being shown what I was sensitive to. It took essentially hitting financial rock bottom about five years ago for me to like wake up and understand that just because I am an accountant, and to be specific, I have a master's degree in accounting and an MBA. Just because I have that, I work for the great companies. I knew nothing about money. I have serious relationship issues <laughs> or commitment issues, I should say, with money. And um, it was time for me to really start understanding why and get out of my own way. And it started with books, specifically a book called Profit First. And it snowballed. I've gone very different, many different directions, but um, it's brought me to here today where this is more recent, but I, money is really self-care. It's how you feel about yourself. Wow. So many different insights there. I mean, the first that you actually hit six figures, which like you said, everyone has these magical numbers and the magical number personally that I've seen in America is the $100,000 mark. Like if you hit a hundred thousand dollars, you've made it. 
And so it's interesting that you made it, but still feel like you didn't make it. And then the other part of that is that you had, you had the highest level of education, essentially in your field, you are on paper an expert, but your relationship and the energetics around it were somehow not aligned. So it just goes to show even people that have a very high level of education around money doesn't mean that their money mindset and the energy they feel around money is any different than someone that's you know, just learning about the, a way to budget. So, wow. I'm just like blown away by all these insights because you've obviously taken steps to change your money mindset. And one of them was the books, the, the reading profit first. So what do you think was a message from that book or from things that you've consumed or whatever it may be that really caused that shift in your mindset to say something like money is self-care? So, and I just want to be clear with how bottom I was. I moved in with mom and dad. And I have good schools on paper. So I was bottom, <laughs> bottom, um, couldn't afford my life bottom. So the thing about that book, um, two things, two magical things happened. First and foremost, with reading that specific book, I realized and learned that I can be creative with money. So like, I didn't know that I can open more than two, I should say, bank accounts, which is funny because I reviewed bank accounts for a living. But it ne- I never put two and two together, meaning I never realized that the companies that I was working for or reviewing, they opened multiple bank accounts. So that book showed me like, you don't have to just accept what's given to you. You know, you can tailor how you manage or organize your finances to your needs. And it had me look at other areas of my life as to what I was just accepting and not tweaking to my needs. So really after reading that book or during and after I was stubborn, I I was living out of my suitcases. So I was like, I'm just, this is temporary. I'm not going to move in with my parents. And I remember one day, finally, I think it was like six, seven, eight months later, I was like, okay, it's time to start hanging out my clothes because it's clear I'm going to be here for a while. Reading this book, Profit First, and starting to hang up my clothes, I saw all that I had accomplished. And the clothes were like, hey, you got into this company. Hey, you went on this trip. Hey, you made this amazing food at home. And so what the book and the hanging up of the clothes both did for me, really the book was was help me acknowledge myself. And something that we often don't do, we see what we were losing or what we don't have. We don't acknowledge what we do have. So I realized I was actually being ungrateful for the life I had. Yeah, I was really ungrateful. <laughs> and that's probably why I lost it. Lost it, lost lost money, lost everything. Wow. That's so interesting and so relatable because a lot of people know this, but I was in a corporate American job where I was making well over six figures of I could pretty much afford what I wanted to, but for some reason I also had no control over the energetics. I was very ungrateful. I didn't know how to have a great relationship with it. I often would overdraft, which like logically wasn't making sense. It's like, how do I have this much money that I get every paycheck, but I get an overdraft alert every week that doesn't even add up. And that's what I was like, this doesn't make sense. So what's interesting though, is when I started looking into getting help and, you know, really becoming financially literate, a lot of experts, like you say, or they say, 
do tell you, like, cut all these expenses, stop drinking Starbucks, don't get any beauty appointments, don't cut your hair, you know, do everything at home. And then you start to feel restrictive. And then I think that's when people start blowing money on credit cards because they feel so restricted. They're like, well, I I need to do something. Let me put this on a credit card. Then they blow up the next paycheck because they feel so scarce or they just feel like a little isolated. Like, oh, sorry, I would love to go to your birthday, but I can't because I'm making everything at home now. And they start missing out on events. So for you specifically, how did you start slowly being like, okay, maybe I could eat out. Maybe I could get a coffee out. Like what shifts were you having? And now today, what do you really allow yourself to enjoy? I feel like I'm advertising this book now today, <laughs> but, um, cause it's, it was just, it was actually my turning point. I had to trust myself or, or see that I knew how to manage money for me. And it started with savings. One thing that started that I learned from this book, Profit First, that I, I'm, you might've heard me say this actually, and it, it says that to, so you have your multiple accounts. If you want to be profitable or if you want to save money, there's a shift that needs to happen. Do it first. Like take care of you first instead of we're conditioned to like pay for everything. And then if, if there's something left and that's a big if, then maybe we'll take care of ourselves. So it was about shifting, like putting me first. So what I did And at this point, I'm teaching yoga. That was my only source of income. I had $350 coming in per month, which was (laughs) a big shift from where I came from. For some reason, I thought it was a good idea too. I started to move 1% of that $350 from my checking to savings account. So anytime I got paid before I paid for anything else, before the money moved back out, I would move 1% to a savings and it wasn't a perfect science because I was still overdrafting, <laughs> but it stopped me from overdrafting. I stopped overdrafting, actually. I saw money start to increase in my savings account. It's $3.50 eventually shifted to a few thousands. And I learned in terms of like what we we're talking about, the be afraid of Starbucks and whatnot. I learned that coffee was not my problem. And I say that all the time. Coffee is not your problem. Dinners are not your problem. The the problem was that I was spending money on things that I shouldn't have been in the first place. And what that means is I was spending money on stuff I didn't care about. It was really what other people were telling me to spend money on. So today, do I spend a lot on coffee? Yep, because I like coffee. I'm a, I love coffee. I'm a coffee not snob, but connoisseur, <laughs> but it's one of those things that I enjoy. And, um, I going from being afraid of the Starbucks or the dinners or what have you to today, I've really started to focus on what I enjoy and what really makes me happy. I prioritize that. I put money towards that. And as a result, I actually have money left over. I have money to do. I'm actually growing abundantly versus before when I was cutting all these things and just reducing everything. Um, those feelings of fear come in and it's almost like, and, and maybe I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but when you're also repelling those things, you're repelling opportunity too. So basically by prioritizing myself, I'm feeling good. I'm also attracting 
more abundance into my life. I'm attracting, naturally attracting opportunity. Coffee is not your problem. <laughs> coffee in, in my work, when I've seen coffee is not your problem. Oh, I could talk more about that one. <laughs> it's so true because that's the first thing that came to mind when I was, oh, I need to go on a budget. Hmm, I'll just cut out the daily cap. You know, those are the, you know, the monthly nails that are maybe 40 bucks. And I'd started to feel restrictive. And personally, that's why I never wanted a budget, even though people were like, you know, budgeting isn't bad. It's not restrictive. My mindset was the exactly what you're talking about. You're gonna have to cut the coffee, the clothes, the shopping, whatever it is. And it wasn't that to your point was, well, what makes you actually happy and empowered and feel good? You need to invest in that. And that's something I want to expand on is you and I are working together right now, one-on-one and we did a budgeting exercise. And I went into that thinking, I do not want to do this. I don't like budgeting. This is going to feel restrictive. She's going to tell me to put all my money this way. And it was the exact opposite. You're like, let's take like at least two or three things out of your desires list and put that in your monthly expenses. And I was mind blown. I was like, wait, wait, wait. She's telling me to have fun with my money and get a Pilates membership and get my nails done? Like... This is not what I was expecting. And I want to expand more on that. Why did you have me do that? So it's like, whoa, wait a minute. My money can be used <laughs> for me to have fun. Oh, oh my gosh. The main thing is, is like, especially as a business owner, well, not even business owners, or if you're working for somebody, why do we receive money? It's, I mean, what? It, it's not so we can be serious all the time. Money is a means. It's it's for our essential survival. And I think for too long, we've had other people tell us what is considered essential. You have a right to get your hair and nails done. I mean, you should, for crying out loud, you should get quality shampoo for your hair. And I know people that I, I've actually, I know experts that say, don't get quality shampoo. Soap is soap. No. Uh, I mean, for me, I have textured hair. Soap is not soap. (laughs) Your budget is not just about paying for housing, paying for groceries, paying for the minimum. You budget also the things that you need to live. Your health, like joining a gym, which I know I cut out, your health actually helps you be more productive. Hence the Pilates, I said, put that in, budget that in. Your nails, that presentation, that neatness, how you feel from that self-care, that's a part of you. And, and, and it's green. I noticed that. <laughs> green from moolah. That is part of your health and well-being. If you are not feeling good, if you're not healthy, you can't work. You know, you're, you're, if you're a sick person, what happens? You cannot work. So we need to bring in the things that help us be healthy and then subsequently wealthy. And you can plan for that instead of waiting for something that's left over put that in your budget or or call it another word if budget doesn't feel good. And oftentimes, another reason why I, I said put in your desires, like nails, vacation, buying shoes. What happens? Sometimes we sneak around and do the things that make us happy. And what do we do? We end up going overboard. So instead of restricting ourselves, you put that that very thing that makes you happy. You're not going to overly indulge, number one. Number two, you're happy. When you're happier, you're just more productive. When you're more productive, naturally you bring more money in, more of that resource in to support you. So why deny yourself when you can continue feeding yourself? 
I love that. To your point, a Pilates membership, there's nothing wrong with me moving my body, keeping my mind right. It gets me such in a meditative state when I do it that I'm actually more energized to come to work. I'm more creative. I get more done because I don't feel energetically drained. And even with the nails, there was a point where I felt a little guilty about getting these where I was like, why? They make me feel like, I feel like it activated my feminine energy. I purposefully got them pointy and green and they felt like regal and abundance. And I'm like, if this changes my energy and I can show up to calls different from just changing my nails, why is that bad? And so I want to talk a little bit about guilt and shame. A lot of people spend money on themselves and feel guilty. When you run into that with clients, how do you get them out of that guilt and shame mindset? Because someone might get their nails done or get the Pilates membership and then two weeks later be like, oh, shoot, I shouldn't have done that. Like, I need to cancel the membership. I need to cut out nails again. Like, how do you deal with people that are going on that up and down roller coaster? I always like to ask the question, why? What's really behind? Why should you feel guilty getting your nails done or having a a gym membership to be healthy? Shouldn't having a your house make you feel guilty? Shouldn't the clothes on your on your back make you feel guilty? I mean, it's all it's all quite similar. So I like I really just ask why. Let's step into inquiry. Like what's going on underneath? It could go as far back as childhood. Often it's like, oh, I heard this expert say that this is bad. That I could invest my twenty dollar cup of coffee. Okay, that's an expensive cup of coffee. But for example, t- the twenty dollars to spend per per week on coffee, or just because you invest in, let's say, the stock market or in something else, you ultimately don't know. There's no guaranteed return that you create that guarantee. So I always say invest in you. First of all, that guilt and shame is really about other people telling you what's best for you. When are we actually going to be start telling ourselves what's best for us? So it's it's really about being okay and understanding that it's safe to know your likes, your dislikes. It's really about being okay with perhaps separating from what another person thinks. You know, you might be that person that's alone and saying saying that no, I like getting my hair and nails and you got the other group of friends that are like, "Oh, you're going to live under a bridge." You need to empower yourself. And perhaps by you empowering yourself, they see how you walk taller, you're attracting more, whether it's in terms of financial abundance, friends, getting free stuff. I mean, these things happen. You might encourage them to stop being scarce and perhaps consider taking care of themselves. I think it's really a practice. You know, the guilt and shame, you understand why, but at some point you have to practice not feeling guilty practice getting the nails done and see how you feel. And then realize for yourself, like, this is not a bad thing for me. Practice going to the gym. It's not bad to go to the gym. I love myself. (laughs) Why is it wrong to love myself? It's all just taking steps forward, just practicing, practice moving forward, practice feeling good. Right. And so many good points about feeling empowered and who you hang out with. I never realized that until I started working on my money mindset and being acutely aware of the language I was using how much other people's language would affect me too. Like if you're going out to eat and people are like, oh, let's try to just order a few sides or maybe we'll split the appetizer and leave or, oh my gosh, that's how can you do that? That's so much money. I can't believe you blew your money on that. Or, um, you know, even like blew your money or I have no money left. I'm like, no, you don't have no money left. You have money in your bank. So where is no money left? You're just signaling your mind that you truly are broke. 
And when you say you're broke all the time, you're going to be broke. Mm -hmm. So language was a big piece for me that helped me shift my money mindset. And it's something that I feel like I constantly, like you said, it's a practice. Like there are still times where I'll be like, that's expensive. And I'm like, well, no, it's actually, if I wanted to make it a priority, I would move things around or just save more to afford that. So why can't I use that language instead of like, oh, I'll never be able to buy that. So who you hang out with and the, the language you speak is such a big deal. There's also something you're talking about investing in yourself. And this is what I want to talk about because I get so many questions around this and it wasn't really until I would say the last two years where I've make it, I've made really big investments in myself where to some people might not even seem that big, but anywhere from, you know, a hundred dollar medium reading all the way to a $5,000 business school, like coaching program. And I, if you talked to me a year ago, I would have been like, I would never invest that type of money. That's silly. I don't have $5,000 laying around. I can't believe people do that. Now I'm in the position where I have high ticket offers. You're in a position where you have high ticket offers and people want to do it, but they're scared to invest in themselves. So what would you say to people that are on the fence about investing in something that's high ticket or even something that will just better their skill set when it is something that costs quite a bit of money that they don't just have laying around in their bank account. Oh, I love this. This came, this actually came up quite recently with someone else. So I love this question first and foremost. So there's a, there's the acknowledgement piece. There's a reason why statistically speaking, the more education you have, you tend to earn more. It's not the, the, the degrees it's you and really what you're willing to pay is what you're willing to receive. So it's a natural shift here. And so I don't think many of us really make that connection. And we don't acknowledge ourselves that typically those of us who are willing to invest, most are somewhat educated, right? But just in general, just the, the willingness to pay to learn, that's a, that's a shift in your mind. So if you're feeling scared, to, to invest, consider all the other things you've invested in. And maybe if the fear of looking at the bank account, maybe this is a bank account exercise. Look at all you have. When I say invest, spend your money on and, and think of the higher ticketed items. Um, you pay a rent or a mortgage, right? You pay some people that have cars, they pay for a car note. If not, you own it outright. Um, bought a couch, taking vacations. These are all technically investments. So if you can spend the money there on those items, then consider that this very thing, the coaching, the courses, the, the books, whether it's $99 to $10,000, so there's big range, um, you are able to, you do have the money. Now, the fear part of it is that that's that comfort zone because we're currently comfortable where we are right now. And to jump into a course or program, that means you're doing something different. It's unknown. You're not sure if it's going to work. You don't know if you're going to get what you really need. Sometimes what you need does not come <laughs> the way you want it to. So because it's an unknown, what we're feeling is that need to protect ourselves and keep ourselves small. So perhaps that is a reason why you should, one should invest. If you're thinking about it, it means you need to do it. Totally agree. I'm just thinking about 
the first time someone pitched me a high ticket offer. And in my mind, I was like, is this person out of their mind? Like, this is nuts. I can't believe they charge this. And then once you actually get results or take the course or, you know, have the reading, whatever it is, usually in my experience, most of the coaches I worked with or healers, whatever the case may be, I'm using my intuition and the vibe and the energy to be like, is this, you know, do I trust this person? I'm going to get results. And usually they over deliver. And then in hindsight, I look back and I'm like, wow, I can't believe they only charge that much. They need to raise their prices. Like they're actually worth way more than that. But it's never until after I see the result and transformation that I trusted, like you said, there's this energy shift inside you that you're like, I'm a little nervous. I'm a little scared. This is a big investment, but I trust that a transformation is going to happen because either I've seen it happen or I trust this coach, whatever it may be. But it's so true that if you want to do something different, you need to do something different. So a lot of times too, it goes back to what we value. Like you said, I used to, in my mind, I was like, I can't afford, you know, a $1,000 coach. And then I would look at everything I spent on the weekend. I could easily spend $250 drinking, brunching, eating, new makeup, new clothes, new headphones. And I'm like, okay, if I just put, didn't go out for two weekends, I could like do a payment plan with this coach. Mm -hmm. And that's just with like cash. And then I was like, wait, I have a credit card. I can put it on a credit card. And that's something I want to get into is credit card debt. So this is a big one that people struggle with. If they do invest in a coach, not even a coach, if they just have a credit card debt that they've racked up, there's this immense pressure and almost there is shame around having a really high credit card bill or a low credit score or not feeling like you can make the payment and then getting a huge interest rate, you know, slammed with a huge interest rate. The one thing I want to say is like, there's so many ways, so many options to pay for anything to receive. So there's the old school thought that says credit card debt is bad. And the reason why they're saying that is because many people don't manage it well. The reason why people don't manage it well is now what we've been talking about, the difficult relationship with money. So it's the, I need this swipe. Oh, I don't want to acknowledge it, <laughs> what I bought. And that's how it, it grows. The one thing I, I learned from someone about two years ago is that your credit card, because there's always a perspective, you can see a credit card as a trap, or you can see it as something that is there to help you. It has been helping the person that's using the credit card. It's about using it wisely. So I think first and foremost, understanding that the credit card is an extension of money, right? It, you're being given money to grow yourself in whatever way, whether it's a course, whether it's for nails, whether it's for a, a plant. So you're, you're being given this money, right, by the company. And perhaps just the least you can do, the least you can do is pay the interest to the company, even if it's high interest. We don't, yeah, a lot of people don't want the high interest, but just consider that just in exchange for the service that that comp credit card company is giving the, or that, that bank, in exchange, you're paying a small, in comparison, small interest just for them to say, here, here's some money that you can use. You're not exactly in a rush to pay it back. You know, you're paying the minimums at least. So you're not really in a rush to pay the money back. Just consider that the credit card is actually a gift and you're just paying for the service. So we're always, we're always giving an exchange and that might be, that might be a little bit tougher to sink in. And I know for me personally, it was like, oh, it's credit card debt. No way. You know, nobody wants to pay it once they have credit card debt. Now, the thing is about 
putting money on your credit card. It's really about the intention. First of all, look at, understand what you need your credit card for. If you're mindlessly swiping, that's where you might eventually feel choked. And then you, you get one, what I see most people do is they get to the limit and they're always hovering at just under the limit. And they're always just paying a little bit just to have some money, some, some credit, I should say. But the credit card isn't really doing that much for them because they're just kind of hovering at the limit. And that's because they don't know what they're putting on their card. So maybe start today looking at your credit card statements, seeing what you're paying for, not feeling guilty or, or ashamed of what you're putting on your card, but understanding what it is that you need. And then giving yourself the option, do I really need to be putting parking on my credit card as an example? Yes or no? Did I really need to put this $2 donation to whatever on the card? Yes or no? Did I need to put this course on Let me on the card? Yes or no? Build that relationship with your credit card by understanding what you need because the transactions are really what you need. That's something we talked about too in our session because there's one credit card specifically that I've racked up that it's, like you said, you kind of swipe, swipe, swipe. It feels like monopoly money. And then I was like, oh, I don't want to look at it. Like, And then I'm hovering, like you said, right above the limit or below the limit. Maybe sometimes I go over and then I get this guilt spiral. And then I'm like, okay, wait, it's a gift. And I was going back and forth a lot. And when you framed it as like, look at it as a gift and they're just allowing you to pay it off over a longer period of time. So it's just like, in order to do that, there has to be an exchange and that's the interest fee. That changed a lot for me where I was like, wow, you're right. It is a gift. Like what a gift that I have a high credit limit that I can invest in a, in a, you know, four figure course, or what a gift that I have a limit that I can hop on a plane and travel to move in with my partner. You know, there's so many different things that we criticize ourselves for using it, but it's like, look at all the abundance it's brought us. I don't think personally, I would have been able to fly here without my credit card. I don't think I would have been able to invest in a coach or a course if I didn't have it. And those coaches and courses are what actually up-leveled me to even have my own business. So it's like, wow, thank you, credit card company for allowing me to actually do that. And so when you can shift the perspective a little bit, it's so true that your relationship that to that guilt and shame kind of dissipates. And you're like, I'm actually grateful for, for this limit that I have or that I even have the option to have a credit card because some people don't get approved. So mm-hmm. the fact that you can have a credit card is also a blessing. So it's a lot of language and energetics around credit cards and money that people are working through. And it's just so interesting to see how little shifts like that can really change the game. They're not massive things. Like we've only done two sessions and I'm already like, woo, love budgeting, love using <laughs> Like, it's just interesting that you can really shift your perspective if you want to. So another question I had was, if you make a lot of money, so in our instances where we're making six figures, and then you keep overdrafting, or let's say you make a budget, but you just can't stick to the budget. Like, let's say you're like, Chelsea, here's your budget. You know, you get, I'm making it up, $500 for self-care. And I'm like, ooh, yay. And then all of a sudden I blow $800 on self-care. And then the next month I blow 600. And then the next month I stay at 500. Like, there's some people that have trouble just sticking to a budget. So what what do you think is going on there? And how can we manage that? Oh, you're describing me. Because <laughs> today I have a different hair and I'm over it already. <laughs> the first thing to, to understand is like, I think we have to remember we're not trying to be good at budgeting. We are actually using the budget. It, the budget is a tool for us to help us keep 
contain or keep more of our hard-earned money, just to use it wisely. But sometimes you do have to blow the budget. And if that happens, when that happens, you're not abnormal if you can't stick to a budget, whether it's under budget, over budget. It's just a matter of understanding why, what's going on. So like these budgeting or managing your money, it can be a really amazing journaling exercise because ultimately your money is that you do and don't have. It's a result of your actions and your actions are encouraged by let's just take it to your thoughts and your beliefs, right? And understanding all the things that influence that. So I always encourage people, like if you're, if you blew the budget, one thing I did when I was, before I became so, let's just say enlightened, thanks to people like you, Chelsea, they always had us get a reason. And it would always be something technical, like you're comparing your budget to the actual and be something technical, like there was a hurricane over in Japan and mean, and it affects the what's going on in the US. So you can do the same thing for you personally. Maybe it could have been the hurricane in Japan and you live in New Zealand, or it could be, I mean, COVID, it could be anything. In my case, because I noticed that my spend on Amazon specifically since June has gone up. And it told me, because I love reviewing my finances. That's that's how I I I journal, I see what's going on, because as they say the money doesn't lie. I felt myself getting really upset. Like, why am I spending so much? Like, what is going on here? And then I realized that perhaps it wasn't a bad thing that I was overspending. I'm challenging. I'm trying, this is more of me understanding who I am. So I bought things like, like imagine the hair. <laughs> I, I'm used to having straight hair and now I'm trying, playing around with twists, braids. I'm thinking about, you, you inspired me about, the hair being pink. Uh, I'm actually thinking about that next. Not business expenses. <laughs> not not one would say that these are like I'm wasting money, but maybe this is me trying to understand better who I am, what I like, and share this experience with others. So in other words, yes, I've blown my budget. <laughs> I, I usually I restrict what I spend on Amazon. Lately, Amazon has been dropping something off every so often, a lot. And, and that's okay. It's just a matter of understanding why. As long as you are clear on the why, and sometimes you might need a few months to get to your why, that's what's important. You're not trying to be an expert at budgeting. You know, it's, it's about making sure your money is being used wisely. And you determine that how your money is used. Wow, that's so interesting about the why. Because it's true. When, a lot of times we make transactions and purchases and of course, logically, we're like, yeah, well, I, I want it, so I'm going to buy it. But it's like, well, why? Like, are you just buying it because you you truly need it and it will empower you? Or are you buying it because someone else said to buy it or everybody else is buying it? An example I'm thinking of personally for me is the Apple Watch. When those came out, I was like, those are so ugly. I would never buy one. They look like a little laptop on your wrist. Like, I would never, ever buy it. And then everybody in my office bought one. Like everybody was like challenging each other and doing all the little games and, you know, uploading their stats and da, 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 da. And all of a sudden I was like, oh, well, I need one. And so I ended up buying one, even though I had made so much fun of them. I didn't want one. And then when I got it, I used it to basically track my workouts, which was nice, but I wasn't using it for any of the other features. I wasn't doing the challenges and all the, you know, 100 things the Apple Watch does. And I was like, 
I know that I bought that because I felt like I was missing out on something, not because I truly valued it and really thought that it would like change my life. And I ended up selling it like probably six months later. And that was, I think, an example of what you may be talking about, like the why. Are you buying it because everybody else is buying it? Or are you buying it because you truly are like, this really would like keep me on track and change my life. So I'm going to buy it. So interesting. Something I want to talk about is something you mentioned too, is COVID. A lot of people are in financial distress. You know, things are just different now, obviously. Everyone has experienced this to some degree. So if someone is unemployed or maybe just took a pay cut right now, but they want to feel like they're still enjoying their money, like you said, they don't want to feel restricted that they have to say no to the birthday dinner or the brunch or whatever the case may be or the nails. What are some ways that if you have experienced financial distress lately that you can still have a good relationship with money and not feel so repressed by it. This is actually, COVID is a beautiful opportunity to really pivot, to really assess what's authentic and best for you. As hard as as, as this time is, this is a beautiful time to, to try something new because we're now, unfortunately, many of us are quarantined or socially distanced. So that means less distractions from your personal goals. Because a lot of people like to talk. I would say really take this time to really just you can try, you call it trying new things because you probably never had a chance to try new things. In terms of your money, this is a good time to really start looking at your money, building that relationship by taking a look at what you have been spending money on, taking a look at how it comes in and give yourself that choice in terms of what you need. I will say this money is flowing. It's just in a different way now. So Please understand that it's flowing just in a different way and it's in a more conservative way because everyone's kind of just, we're not sure. We're not sure what's going on. So what you can be sure of is how you organize your finances. Maybe you don't always have to spend money. You know, maybe you can take this as a time to challenge yourself and to do like a savings challenge. And I know some gyms are open in my area, but if you find that you're resistant going to a gym, maybe cancel the membership and try walking outside or, or shift into to more of like a, an online membership where there it's a little bit cheaper. Try that out. See, and, and of course, give yourself time, but try new things like that. Maybe you can try, I know it's one of those, now sounding like the traditional experts, but try, try cooking. Like this is a time to just to explore what's authentic to you. And I'm not saying don't spend money. But maybe just see what you do and don't need, like who's been influencing you and who hasn't. I mean, even down, down to like what you read, what you watch on TV, this is a really good time to really assess your influences because some of them might be very toxic and might be causing you to, might encouraging you, you might be allowing them rather, to help you make decisions that you would normally not make or you shouldn't make. And then with that said, I mean, save money is like a big, there's many ways and many techniques and many, many suggestions. But unfortunately, COVID caught a lot of people um, off guard. Uh, I started my business when, of course, I was caught off guard and I wasn't prepared. So this is a great time to, especially if you're receiving some kind of money, just practice putting something away, even if it's, if you're in the US, a dollar or a euro, it doesn't have to be this, at, we're used to trying to, sh to chuck away like thousands, right? 
you can do tiny amounts and a little goes a long way. So I'm really encouraging people to to create your own, as I call it, insurance policy, your own by saving some money. Yeah. Even with the trying new things, I was in a similar situation during COVID where I was supposed to be making a ton of money at a new job and the the place actually shut down. And I'm like, oh my God. And you know, in my mind, I was like, oh, I can't wait to buy this. And it was actually in this moment where I had all these ideas of, around business. And to your point, sometimes like when your back is against the wall, I feel like you see how resilient you really are. Like what ways can you get creative with money? Like, can you do consulting? Can you walk someone's dog? Can you nanny for extra money? Like there are so many ways to make money outside of our biweekly paycheck. And that's something I want to talk to you about too. But what I did too was started cooking at home, but it was actually fun. I was like, wow, I haven't cooked at home in a long time. And actually I really like my cooking now. I didn't even know I could cook this well. And then the online membership thing too, I was like, no, I'm a person that loves studios. I will never do online workouts. And now I do them. I'm like, this is actually really convenient. I can wake up, roll my mat out, do the workout, and then like jump in the shower. I don't have to drive there, drive back. So it has changed a lot of our behaviors. But for me, it was actually very beneficial change in behavior that I was like not expecting. But now I'm like, I enjoy cooking. And to your point, now that I'm saving money on cooking, I actually use any extra money I have on like investments in myself. Like maybe I get a reading with a tarot carpenter, get my nails done or whatever the case may be. And I don't feel that guilt and shame. But to your point too, it's like, if you have the money, it's meant to be used. We don't, we don't receive money to hang it up on the wall on a picture frame. Like it's meant to be circulated. So that's something that I have to remember too, is like when it, when I spend it, it will come back, but Mm -hmm. that's a whole other conversation as well. But that's one of the last things I wanted to talk to you about was what are ways that you either recommend people to build some type of cash flow or people that are stuck in the mindset of like, well, where am I going to get more money? I only get my biweekly paycheck and that's it. So what are people talking about? All these random checks in the mail, like Mm -hmm. money doesn't grow on trees and people that are very fixed with their income. How can we all work on opening up to abundance and opportunities from every way? So the biggest and rather the easiest thing to do, especially for those that are afraid to look at their bank account, I feel like that's my theme here. Look at your look at your statements, look at your bank account. It's about building that relationship with money. So when you are a good steward of your money, or rather, actually being a good steward of your money helps you be in gratitude, right? So I'm going to get a little spiritual here. When you are grateful, you get more. So just consider that. It's just simply looking at your money, acknowledging it will help you bring more. It's, it's, it might not seem like a, something that simple will happen, but it will. Think about like, I mean, many of us have been in relationships and, and I'm sure we've all experienced being neglected at one point. When you're neglected, what happens? You're not happy. You leave that person. What do you think your money will do? So money is not a living being, but it's similar to a plant Um, It's similar to your car. When you don't take care of things, it doesn't serve you. So begin, or rather, this is an opportunity, I should say, to to look at and acknowledge your money and build that relationship. You'll start to get some intuitive hits on terms of what to do next. As you look at your money, you can catch money leaks. So let's say there was something you thought you canceled and you, you didn't, like a subscription. This is an opportunity to cancel those leaks, to get rid of that subscription. Maybe you're charged twice for something because these things happen. So you can now 
go and whether it's contact your bank, yeah, contact your bank, exercise your your voice and and get those leaks, like get your money back. Or maybe this is a time to reduce maybe the type of insurance policy. Like if you're not using a super max insurance, you you want to take it down a level. This is an opportunity to really start doing those little things that do ultimately go a long way. You'll then see how you can start to save a little bit. I mentioned moving 1% of your of whatever income you're you're moving, you're getting. For those that feel like you need every single thing, try moving little bits before you pay for anything. And you'll realize like, huh, even with 1% less, I'm okay. Awesome. Maybe I'll make it 2%. Maybe I'll make it 10%. Next thing you know, it's like you have this robust savings account. And this happens fast, I might add. A lot can happen in a month or in six months or in a year. So money leaks, saving, then the intuitive hits in terms of like how to bring more money in, right? You are on a fixed income, but by acknowledging your money without trying to practice not that not having that guilt and shame and scarcity and feeling like you need to eat like cheap ramen noodles and, you know, instead go for the, the high quality ramen noodles. It tastes a lot better. <laughs> By by looking at your money, you can start getting intuitive hits and saying, you know what, I'm building up the confidence to buy this course. Why don't I start with the $50 program and see what I get out of it? $50 increases because now you're knowing where else to go. Maybe it becomes $99. Maybe you spend $250. Give yourself that opportunity to really just grow yourself, right? Grow yourself. Therefore, you grow your income. Maybe you end up adding more value at your workplace as a result of just investing in yourself and you get a raise or more responsibility, something that builds you up. Just because you're on a fixed income doesn't mean that your life is fixed. So build that relationship with your money, be in gratitude and, and really watch. It's, it'll be amazing how your, the abundance will grow just by looking at your money, just looking at it. I'm so glad you you made so many good points, especially not only looking at your money, the gratitude piece is huge. And like you said, when you start almost personifying money, like if money was your child and you didn't give it a home, you didn't take care of it, you talked bad to it, you would be like probably arrested for child abuse (laughs) or neglect. So why do we talk to our money bad? Why do we not even like properly put it away in our wallets? Why don't we even look at it in our bank account? You have to be grateful and treat it just like you almost would a, a person. Because if you neglect it, yeah, it's what is it going to do for you? Mm-hmm. So many energetic mindset shifts there. There's one last question that came up to me right now, because I know there's people that are watching, because I know I've done this too, where when we start making budgets, we start convincing ourselves of things we need. Mm-hmm. And... And we can go like maybe sometimes overboard. I don't really want to use that term, but it's the only term I can think of like, oh, well, you know, I do have this budget, but I need the newest headphones. I need the new iPhone coming out. I need the new MacBook Air, whatever the case is. And I want to address how do, how can you decipher like, what do you truly need? And what is a necessity without going to the opposite side like you said of the ramen noodles and rice and beans mindset either like how can we find balance of like okay what do we need without being completely broke either maybe you do need the newest headphones maybe you do need that macbook air there was a time that i bought a the beats i don't even know what to call it beats and the uh airpods 
I didn't need to, but I use them <laughs> and I use them well. Um, and it's not because I spent all that money. Um, before I was, I was used to getting the free headphones that came with, with my, my phone. And so to spend, I think this was 300 and the other one was 100 something, almost 200, spend it at once. I mean, I would have easily been like, wow, that's ridiculous, but I use them. I believe this is where, you know, they say the sixth sense or intuition, um, the intuitive hits. If you're being called or compelled to getting the latest and greatest, um, I always believe there's a reason. And maybe that reason hasn't come to you yet. But I think we need to do better to start listening to our instincts or intuition or, or sixth sense. Because when we do follow them, we're never wrong. Perhaps your computer does need an upgrade. Maybe the low battery or place the battery sign hasn't shown up yet, but maybe you kind of, something is telling you that's going to happen quite soon and you'll be forced to replace your computer. That's why you need a new rose gold MacBook Air. Or um, perhaps in my case, when I bought those free, those, those headphones, I didn't know why I needed them then. But, but now it's like, I'm speaking a bit more. Well, I don't need to be tangled <laughs> basically. Cause I, I move my hands around and knock stuff over. So it's been helpful for me personally. That's on one end, right? Maybe listen to your intuition, see what you need. And notice how I said intuition, because there could also be that other part of you that practice. I call it the repressed part of you that if you're always feeling the need to the fear of missing out, right? That to me is repression. Like, what are you, what are you, what's really, what are you trying to fill? If you're always getting the latest and greatest because you, it's this fear of missing out, what's really going on underneath? And that's where you step into that why, that inquiry. And then, of course, on the other side, that's a conditioning, both sides of the conditioning, right? Really. But um, the, the, the cheap ramen noodles or the, some people like will find food that, that's thrown out in the garbage can and actually, eat them because they don't want to spend money on going out to eat. And they're like, it's perfectly good. It's a waste to just throw it out. But it's also like, I look at it like, and these are my values, but what's really going on? Like, why can you not go and get yourself a freshly cooked meal? You know, why do you need to go through the garbage can where the raccoons and rats go that spread disease? Why, why would you risk that just to save some money? So either way, like if you're being called to do something, it's just understand why there's no right or wrong, honestly. Yeah. It actually makes me think of the Apple watch example again, where eventually I sold it, but actually it got me to hire a personal trainer. I got in shape. I started tracking my workouts. I was very motivated to work out. And so it actually changed where I never wanted to work out. And all of a sudden I was like seeing, you know, my rings closed and I was so motivated to work out. So it started that it like activated that piece of me that I was like, yeah, you actually do like daily exercise. You just needed a little device to remind you. And eventually I sold it because I was like, I don't need this anymore. I know that I like working out. Like I, I just felt empowered enough that I didn't need it anymore. So it just served me for that season. It's not like I had to keep it for the rest of my life just because I bought it. And I actually ended up selling it for like a few hundred bucks. And I'm like, I, yeah, I didn't make the full amount back. I didn't profit, but I also, it's not like I needed to throw it in the trash. So there's so many ways too to, that actually brings me to one of my last questions is what are some creative ways that we can make money and cash flow? And for me, it's been selling things that I don't use anymore that are in pretty good condition 
Facebook marketplace is a treasure land. If you guys <laughs> either want to buy something um, that's either, you know, you're just looking for something and you don't want to go buy it brand new. So many people give away so much stuff on Facebook, even for free sometimes. But when I moved from Chicago to Florida about three years ago, I made like thousands of dollars on Facebook marketplace from selling mm. furniture, clothes. I mean, you would be shocked what people were buying. Shower caddies, like old, old, old speakers, like things that were half broken. They're like, whatever, I'll fix it at home. And I'm like, I thought no one would buy this. And I ended up making so much money that that was a, a way that in my mind, I was like, there's no way I can make money outside of my paycheck. And that was a really easy and quick way to make money. So what are some final um, thoughts you have around being creative with your money and resourceful in ways that we can attract abundance? Yeah, you you know what? You actually, you gave a great answer right there because um, I know if a lot of us looked around in our home, we can find something that we can sell if we're looking for that that quicker return. Just because investing in a, in a course or a program to build a business, it can take a little bit longer, right? So that quick cash, yeah, exactly. It's um, look around your home, you said it much better than me, but look around your home. I actually have a camera that I'm about to sell because <laughs> I just don't use it. As they say, one man's trash, I don't know if I like this very well, but one man's trash is another one's treasure. But it's true. It's, you know, you might not need it, but then then make it available for somebody else. You know, and it's just, it's that same exchange. It's like the credit card. The credit card company is giving you money to to use. And just in exchange, you're paying some interest rate. That's actually a perfect one to to do. Look around your home and just see what you are not using and have you have not used for I'm gonna say months to years, years actually. And there's a lot of stuff that that many of us hold on to just because I don't think we know that we can we don't think someone else could use them. And then just in, intuitive hits. I mean, it, I I'm I'm always a fan of just continuing to educate and improve yourself. So Discussions like this, um, I think normalizing the conversation around money is very much needed. Notice we haven't talked about anything complex like flipping a home or or talking about the stock market or even diving into taxes. You know, we've talked about like some very basic things, and this is the thing that springboards into everything else. So really, if if you can build your comfort around money. And continue to develop that relationship, whether it's talking about it, reading about it, listening to podcasts or Facebook discussions, and then starting to practice what you preach as well. Um, be aware of how the negative self-talk or ways in which you keep yourself small, that's huge. And just little shifts go a long way. I just think that the the awareness that there's a need to shift or change or do something different that's what's actually going to bring more money your way, even if you're receiving a, a fixed paycheck. So build, building that awareness. I love that. I think personally too, I know my mindset changed. When I started normalizing, talking about money and hanging out with women that were charging full price, no discounts, you know, no fans and friends and family discounts, just charging their worth, increasing their rates when they booked a certain amount of clients. I was like, wow. I didn't even know people like this existed. And as soon as you find one, you find two, then you find three. And you're like, whoa, I want to surround myself with these people that are talking about money and not in a in a way that's gloating or being boastful. It's just truly like money is abundance and I want to share it and I want to make more of it so I can be more abundant. 
having those conversations, like you said, and surrounding myself with people. And like you said, also clocking that self-talk was massive. Once you start realizing how bad you talk about money, mm-hmm. you'll be like, oh, well, no wonder I'm not attracting abundance. I'm basically talking shit to it all day. You have to change your your relationship. And think of it truly. I like to think of my money now as a baby, like a baby that doesn't know what to do or where to go. Like I have to teach it where to go. I have to treat it well. I have to nurture it. I have to give it a home. And once I started doing that, things started changing. What are some ways that people can work with you? Like what does a program actually look like with you? So I have least two powerful ways. The first thing though is feel free to reach out. I mean, I sometimes you might just have like a simple question. And so I mean and, and all questions are deep. So feel free to reach out. Um I'm I'm actually gonna put my name in our chat, my email address, but like no question is a bad question <laughs> just because I believe that it's it gives you a guide and points you in the right direction. So my email address is chiama at the mindfulbookkeeper.com. I'm also on Instagram at mindfully chiama and uh, I have a Facebook business page, but I tend to be more on these, these days, like these discussions in terms of how to work with me. I will finally have a program ready. It's called master your money. And it's really a combination of mindset and skill set, like a lot of what we talked about today. So we talk about self-talk and in the program, you'll learn how to see yourself talk in your money. And when you're aware of something, you make changes, you, but you control the change. So that program will be available soon, I think today or tomorrow. And then if you, you know, sometimes you, there's, you want to take a deeper dive and work with me privately. Um, we can we can chat. Um, we can talk. But um, email me and we'll get together and see what your needs are. But yeah, any any question? Any I've, I've had DMs. <laughs> People are so creative with how they reach out to me. I, I'm learning new new tech, <laughs> and 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 I'm like, wow, okay, this is cool. I didn't know you could reach out to me through here. But no question is a silly question. Feel free to ask, and if we need to go deeper, we go deeper. I love that. Thank you so much. And you all, I've only done two sessions with her and we've already had crazy breakthroughs. Like I'm so excited for our next few because I'm like, if this already happened in two, what's going to happen by the end of our time together? So I cannot recommend you enough. You have been so instrumental in even shifting my mind in the last few weeks. And I really appreciate our time together, not only here, but one-on-one because it's very clear that you really are someone that's here to break those barriers around money and really empower people, especially women, to step into this role and be abundant and not be scared of it. It's so powerful. And I think we all can really learn so much from talking about it and also having people like you in our lives. So thank you so much. No, thank you. You're a powerful human being. So it's actually, it's, it's, (laughs) it's, you, your community, y'all are, are fantastic. So um, it's a pleasure. Really, it's, it's, it's my honor, actually. I feel honored here. So thank you so much. Oh, that's so sweet. Thank you. And I just dropped your handles below in the comments as well as your email. So everyone, you can reach out to her there or even comment on this video below if you're watching the replay. And definitely use her as a resource, you all. If she's saying that you can ask her questions, do not, do, you need to take advantage of that. That is so amazing. So Thank you again, everyone. I'm so glad we were able to have this conversation and go talk about your money wisely today and check out your bank accounts. I feel like that's a nice tip to end on. (laughs) All right, everyone. Bye. Bye. Thank you all. 
Well, there you have it. Everything about money mindset with Chiyama and Jaku. Remember, this podcast was recorded inside my Facebook group, Reframe Your Mindset to Change Your Life. You can just go on Facebook and search for the group, answer the questions, I'll add you in, and you can get access to these interviews before they hit the air, meaning you could literally be on and ask the guest questions. So if you want to be more involved, again, it's Reframe Your Mindset to Change Your Life on Facebook. Be sure to follow Chiyama on Instagram at Mindfully Chiyama. Her Facebook page is Mindfully Chiyama, and then her website is The Mindful Bookkeeper. She also has a masterclass, Master Your Money, which of course I'm going to link in the show notes because you are going to find such major value from this masterclass. I have learned so much from her in just our three to four sessions. I feel like I've made a year's worth of progress in just three sessions, so you can imagine how much value she's going to give you in this masterclass. And my favorite part of working with her is she gives you real, practical, tangible advice and instructions, right? If you have worked with me or know me in any capacity, you know that the way I work is giving you real tips. So I'm not someone that just says, think positive vibes only and just go take a walk and see what happens. And that's definitely not what Chiyama does either. She will tell you exactly what to do. And I'm sure that you're going to get so much value out of her masterclass and with real steps, real tools, real advice. And from someone that has the educational background, but again, has done the mindset work, which to me are like the two most important things. You couldn't ask for a better financial coach or money mindset mentor. So I hope you guys found this episode valuable. If you did, please share it with a friend, make your Instagram story, rate, review, and subscribe, and DM me and let me know what you loved about the podcast. You can find me at Chelsea Reif or at non-expert opinion pod. You can email me hello at inmynonexpertopinion.com or visit the website in my non-expertopinion.com. Also, one last thing, I am loving being a guest on podcasts right now. So if you want me to be a guest on your podcast, just shoot me a DM or email and I'm happy to discuss. I'm having so much fun on them. I would love to collaborate with all you podcasters out there. So again, just shoot me a message. And with that, I will see you all next week.